Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Arganissima, New York. Back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Aged. Always a new topic, new guest, and new show. And today we're going to tackle uh, the concept of chronic uh, illnesses and disease and disease management, pain management, uh, through the eyes and the experience of, of our guests. And our guest is unique in a lot of ways because um, she is literally the cheerleader of hope. <laughs> She is a reality TV, you know, personality. Uh, she is an author, best-selling author. Uh, she's an advocate. Uh, she's been through a lot. Yeah, she's literally a cheerleader, by the way. And we're talking about, that, you know, in her career path. So, so a lot of things. And 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 if you or someone that is listening and watching right now have faced chronic uh, diseases or, or or some sort of you know disorder. Uh, you know uh, it's difficult and sometimes people lose hope or they don't know what to do today we're going to bring that hope back yes so, so today we may have barbie engel and she is going to take us to her journey and her real exceptional journey i would say uh, with all her bumps and hurdles and obstacles and solutions and where she is today and she's taking her platform her message around the world helping a lot of people so barbie how are you welcome to the show Thank you so much, Hurricane H. I am excited to be here and share with your audience. And um, thank you for the awesome introduction. And uh, hopefully people will hear my story today and take away from it what they need in their life. So it might not be their exact journey or challenges that they're facing, but hopefully I spark some ideas in them that help them live a better life on a daily basis. Well, and, and, and we hope that we will achieve that today because... I know for a fact, you know, and I've seen folks, you know, that, that, I mean, that deal with chronic disease and there's so many of those aspects of chronic and different, you know, types of diseases and illnesses and disorders that people may be facing in life. And more than ever, I think in the center, we see a lot of those and, 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 you know, uh, also, you know, in that same aspect, people get confused or tired of the system that, you know, the healthcare system can be complicated and the cost can be very, you know, crazy. So all those aspects and, and you have been through this, this journey and through these, these issues and all this, but you were able to overcome and, and, and really become the voice for, for, for pain management around the world and advocacy. But also I want to take it all the way back to your first, you know, live uh, you know, before the chronic, you know, problems took place and how was, was the transition? And cause I think a lot of people want to hear that because it can happen to anyone yep. and, or anyone in our life. And it is important to see what that means when it happens and from your eyes, from your experience. 
Yeah, I actually was living my dream. I knew since the age of four, basically since I can remember, uh, when I saw cheerleaders down on the field at a soccer game, we call it soccer, some countries call it football. Um, I saw them down on the field and I said, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Like, it was just an amazing talent for me to, to see. And I knew that that was my purpose in life. And I, I did that. I did cheerleading and dance and performed and, and had a great life growing up. And I was living my dreams, graduated college, went on right after college. I opened my own cheer and dance training company. I got the next year, I got the head coaching position at Washington State University. I was the first coach that they ever hired. And um, I got my team into the top five. I was one of the top cheerleading coaches in the country. And I was named the year that I got sick, I was named top five choreographers in the country. So um, I was like on my way to success. I, I was successful. I was living like full life, great dreams, um, teaching and coaching here in the United States, as well as Canada had just released a six part DVD video series. And I thought I conquered the world and I put in the work. This wasn't just, oh, easy for me. I put in the work to be the best cheerleader I could be and then help other people become the best cheerleader they could be. And uh, one morning I was on my way to work and an eight second auto accident changed everything. And that accident actually triggered autoimmune disease in me. Little did I know, little did the hospital know. They told me I had whiplash, I'd be better in about four days. I had a, a neck brace for a couple of days, um, which went on for weeks and then months. And um, I was went from normal sleeping patterns, normal eating, healthy, working out six to seven days a week, um, being at the top of my game to literally starting to lose everything around me. I uh, could no longer focus. I would sleep about 20 hours a day, but it was not constant sleep. Every 30 to 45 minutes, I would wake up because the pain would be so bad that I couldn't sleep consistently. And when I did sleep, I never got into REM sleep. And um, that affects your mind, your spirit, your, your uh, emotional effect. And um, when I would go to practice prior to the accident, I would be up choreographing, teaching, being very active keeping schedules organized. Uh, after the accident, I would go to practice. I would lay down on the floor. I would have our team doctors and trainers who are normally there to work on student athletes, be working on me, icing me, heating me, giving me physical therapy, stretching, massage, traction. And I was just trying anything that I could to get out of the pain I was in. And all I really was doing was complaining about pain. I didn't really have words. I was just, somebody stopped the pain and um, started on my search for getting the proper diagnosis, treatment, and was willing and open to do anything that was thrown at me by a medical professional because I wanted to get better. And I knew that I wouldn't give up the life I had. Um, I had been married for 10 years at a successful business. I was fl flying in private jets and limousines and I went from that to within a year, I was on food stamps, didn't know where I was going to live, 
had lost my marriage. Um, I probably had one of the fastest divorces in the history of the earth, <laughs> um, but it just was done and over and, and I had to focus on my health and figure out what was wrong with me. And I just couldn't hold on to that marriage um, after all that time. I basically started over. It was like I was a crab in a bucket getting boiled to death and I was trying to claw my way out and the other crabs were all the parts of my life trying to pull me back in. And I was never going to get anywhere if I just stayed in that spot. So I was working instead of working in the cheerleading aspect and world and realm that I had built for myself, I was just trying to survive moment to moment. Wow. So. Well, that is, <laughs> the words going to describe like actually your, your, that first step of your journey here. And I just want to pause a little bit and just kind of dissect it, you know, for a moment for our audiences and just what is, what it means, your story in terms of all of us. I mean, really, you had the vision, you had the dream, and you were living the dream. You actually went through, your, you pursued your, your happiness and whatever you wanted to do in life and early on, and you were a true story of success doing it. And, and you know, all of a sudden, an accident occurs, and now your life is shattered and everything that you knew is about to change. That is, that is for, for people listening, I mean, just imagine that this can happen to any one of us. Right? And you have to be realistic that you can't always, because people sometimes think, well, it happens to the others. It can never happen here. Everything can happen to us. And we never think about it until it, it does or it comes close to home. And, and, you know, I think the lesson there is that, you know, first of all, we have to be always hopeful. We have to pursue our lives the best way we can and do the best we can, but, but know that things can happen. And sometimes there's nothing that can prepare you for that change in life. And, and you said it yourself, you know, a minor thing that, first of all, nobody figured out what it was. I mean, a whiplash turns out to be a whole different concept, you know, and that's a big deal. And I mean, again, we'll talk about that. I mean, how the hell could they not figure it out? And we'll talk about that part because yeah, I think that's important. And then how you deal with that. But then, then now you had to, first of all, you were happily married and all of a sudden, you said it, the quickest divorce in history. I mean, that is, that is, I mean, in a way that is sad that, you know, uh, your partner in life, you know, just dismissed, you know, all this because you are going through tough times. And again, for our listeners and audiences, I mean, if you're a true partner, you know, you, you, that's what the vows are, right? You have to be there in sickness and, and health and everything, not just like, oh, you're not feeling good. I'm out of here. You know, it doesn't work that way, right? But again, unfortunately, it happened. But maybe fortunately, because that changed your life to better things. You are married yes. and, and everything is better now. But, but you know, listen, maybe that, you know, no, no offense to whoever it was, but, you know, maybe that was not the right person to be with overall. But yes. again, people probably, you know, say that. Uh, but, but, now you you were also you had money you had like you said private jets i mean that's the, that's the life everybody wants i mean to have that life is is really everybody's dream like you know i'm living the, the hollywood style you know doing all that good stuff and then all of a sudden you go from all that to to almost nothing and just the only thing that you have to worry about right now is your health and there is nothing better and more important in life than your health because without it nothing else and this is a true example if you lose that for a minute everything is is really an avalanche of, of bad things that are happening and it, it just crashes on you and that's a problem and but now the question is how do you deal with it right some people would probably just you know 
keep losing it and it's it's over and give up and some people just take a second you know shot at it and say no this is my life i'm taking the reins and making it happen and turn things around and that's where your new journey began and you really kept the cheerleading part of it but you just started cheerleading a whole different aspect but before you got there you had to go through the transition yes and the transition was really first to figure out your problem your medical you know conditions and what they are now that brings me to that question i asked you know you went to the hospital they checked you out you got whiplash they give you a, you know, a neck brace yeah which is typical to any accident right right but but i'm assuming there was some nervous you know you know something got you know hit and they didn't figure out but again i just based on the description but so so first of all you figured out what it was later on yeah it able- took a while <laughs> it, took, it took a while, but so so were you able to confront those folks that actually, you know, did not, you know, figure you out? Because early, pre- I mean, prevention is key, right? If you detect yeah. something early on, it's easier than you wait a few months, the damage is going to be worse. Yes. So so what was that? First of all, how was that experience? Just, just for audience, because I think that the people need to listen to this, because if you ever, God forbid, something similar happens, do not take it for granted. Do not take it lightly that it's, oh, it do more. And I had actually a show before about just, you need to check out second opinions, do other things. Don't just take it for what it is. If you're not sure, make, you know, the steps necessary, take the steps necessary. So, so what was that experience? So it took me three years and 43 providers to get a proper diagnosis. I knew that I would not give up the life I had And I had to figure out what was wrong before I could take steps forward to fix whatever it is. And um, many times through that journey, I thought, this is it. And then it wasn't. So did I go back and talk to those doctors? I sure did. I wrote letters, emailed, called, and um, some of them took it pretty well and apologized and said, I'm so sorry. We should have recognized. I mean, I literally had skin color changes that I could see, they could see, but nobody knew how to click it together and look at all the symptoms. Pain was just one symptom. I had loss of proprioception, which is balancing coordination. As a gymnast that competed in balance beam, that's a huge change in life, you know? It, it, it literally, um, so many things changed with me in my health that they should have recognized, but nobody pieced it together. And as I learned and understood what I was going through, partially by keeping journals and saying, this is what I tried to do today. This is what made it worse. This is what made it better. Keeping track for myself. And uh, finally, when I got to that 43rd doctor is when I realized I'm tired of being a guinea pig. I had gone through surgeries, been overtreated, mistreated, undertreated. And those providers did not have the skills. They offered me what they could offer me, and that was their best. So I was getting the best. It just wasn't for the right um, condition. And once that 43rd doctor was the first of them, the first 42 all looked at their individual specialty and nothing else going on in in my life and and physically health-wise. So when that 43rd doctor said, let me see all your other records before I even see you, Mm. I want to read what all these other people are saying and see, you know, what comes to my mind, where we could go do something different than what they've done. 
he was the first one that actually made a difference in my life and was able to diagnose me. And when he came in the room, he said, look, I went through at that time, it was three, three inch binders. Now my stack of medical records printed out is over four feet high. So I've been through a lot. <laughs> Um, but he looked through those three uh, binders, so nine inches of medical records, and he came in and he said, I think I know what's wrong, but I have to do a procedure to get a uh, actual diagnosis. And um, I stopped and said, wait, I want to, I'm not comfortable. So many providers have told me they think they know what's going on. You tell me what you think it is. I'll go home and study it. And when I'm ready, to do the test, I'll come back and do the test. And it took me about a week to, to go through, to go home, study it, learn about it, because I had actually asked another doctor a couple of years before. I said, I looked on Google and I think this is what I have. I match all these symptoms. And he said, 100%, you don't have it. Now I have this doctor sitting in front of me saying, I think this is what it is based on all of your history over the last three years. So I said, I have to be comfortable. And I went home, studied it, went in for the testing and got a positive diagnosis for reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is a neuroautoimmune condition. And at that time there was um, things that they could do, but there's no, I still am not cured, I'm in remission but the things that they did were to manage the symptoms of pain and um, dystonia and other things that were going on. I spent almost seven years in a wheelchair because that doctor was able to diagnose me and give me these Band-Aid type treatments, but not get me walking again, get me out of bed, get me living some life. And uh, that took another four years after being diagnosed and uh, multiple trips to other states to get the treatments that I needed that got me walking again and, and back to living uh, life. And I still go through those treatments. Um, it's infusion therapy, but I also figured out that it's not one treatment. There's not one cure. There's no magic pill. It's not take this opiate for the rest of your life and, and that's as good as you're gonna get. There's constantly new things coming down the pipeline and, and seeing that three-year journey to get diagnosed and then four more years of trying other treatments, at least we had them more targeted in on what was actually wrong with me. It still didn't get me to where I am today. It was me continuing to search for what's coming down the pipeline, what's available. And if it's not available, is there a way to invent it? <laughs> and, and so having, having that um, audacity to question and say, wait a second, I stopped questioning because I thought you guys knew everything there was to know and realized that that wasn't the way that, that our medical system is built. I have to be responsible. And when I became responsible, when I learned the language, when I started doing the actions that it takes to get better, that's when I started seeing improvement. Wow. Well, first, first question that came to mind listening to you is, you must have lost trust in the healthcare system <laughs> and the medicine world for, for a minute, because I think anyone, I mean, seven years just going through it. I mean, that's medical school, right? Right. <laughs> you can go, you can actually just, just get your own you know, degree for it. But, but, but really, you know, the concept of like 42 doctors before the, the 43rd one to, to, to really understand what happened. I mean, 
and I'm sure they are all equivalent in terms of their knowledge and expertise. But yet, you know, uh, so, well, first of all, I think you, you challenged somebody with Google and that that didn't work well. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> because, because I, I know, I mean, listen, Google is not really, I mean, obviously doctors do go through their, 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 you know, uh, education and experience, you know, and, so, and, and for the most part, they know their stuff, you know, so we can decline that or deny it. But, but, you know, and I know there's, there's a resistance when, when a, a regular person comes in with like, oh, I just read in Google all these things. I mean, you go to WebMD, you can learn anything about everything, right? <laughs> but, 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 but certainly when you go to your doctor says, I think this is it. Now you're almost challenging the doctor's knowledge here. And like, you know, hey, right. you know, who are you to tell me I'm the doctor, right? And sometimes that is not, you know, doctors have to be a little bit more concerned about that because misdi misdiagnosis is a problem. Right. And they have the medical school. And I acknowledge that I did lose trust. What are they learning in medical school? Not rare diseases. Um, but I was living this life on a daily basis. So I was the expert. I am the expert of my daily living. And I do have a responsibility to help be a leader on the team of Barbie's Healthcare. You know, it's, it does take my voice. When I first went into doctors, those first three years, I went in, I cried at almost every doctor appointment. They dealt with my mental health over my physical health. I was there for physical health. And a lot of times we never even got that far in a situation because I was crying and saying, please fix me, I'm in pain. And so some of these other things I was dealing with didn't even come up. When I learned about the, the condition that I have and the vocabulary that goes with it, including not to just say, I'm in pain, help me, which is what I was doing. When I learned to be able to say, I am in constant burning fire pain and use adjectives, it changed everything. Oh, well, we can go down this path for this type of pain. All right, well, sometimes I have these other pains, but they come and go which is electric pains, cutting pain, sharp pain. Um, my, my stomach, I, got, I developed gastroparesis, which is when your stomach par is paralyzed, so it doesn't pump and move the food through properly. That felt like sharp cutting knives. When I could verbalize that and use my adjectives and get familiar with what the doctors are learning in medical school so that I could talk on the same level with them that made a difference. When I was just going in and saying I Googled something, they're like, that means nothing to me. I went through all this schooling. When I was able to say, no, look, this is my daily life. This is what I'm facing. And here's all the adjectives to describe it. They were finally able to say, oh, well, we have this treatment option and this treatment option, and we can try this and we can work on that. And um, things started to progress and, and get better and options changed. And it got more focused on what does Barbie need? Not what does everybody with this medical condition need? It gave us a direction to start in, but it was a way to find out together what was best for me. Well, Bobby, I mean, you're making a great point because everybody's different. And, you know, even people with the same disease or the same yep. disorders and stuff, their bodies are different. So their, their reaction could be different. Their, their threshold of pain, you know, level and how they take it and how they describe it. And unfortunately, and whether if you have kids or you have family or even yourself, when you have pain, as minor, it could be just from hurting yourself. No one is experiencing that pain by you. And people cannot 
comprehend what that level is. You can just describe it from one to 10. It's like nine or 12, you know, but, but still it's not, it's not going to give you the actual intensity unless you are in the same spot and feeling that same pain, you're not going to know that. And, and to your point, when you're just giving them a uh, vague, you know, large description, it, it's basically, well, that's, that can be anything. Right. Uh, and so that, that obviously it, for them, I think that was that the challenge, but you got better. But, but the thing is you were able to do that. Most of the people may not be able to do that, or some people may not be able to actually do their own research, or they don't even have time, or they have the energy to do that. And and so now what happens? They still rely on that particular you know uh, provider to give them, and they trust that. So what you're saying here that what we need to be aware of, as much as you do put the trust, you got to also trust the best person that's advocating for you is yourself, right? And and you did that. So you did Barbie, you know, medicine. <laughs> and, and Barbie music. And, and now I actually go out and do continuing, continuing education hours for medical providers, where they actually get credit hours for listening to me talk and share in um, specific to RSD and uh, what it was like to, to go through what to look for in their patients and that type of thing. So they can actually get credit hours for hearing me. So I'm not a doctor, but I do teach doctors. <laughs> well, well, listen, I mean, you, you are a true, you know, in medicine and science in general, we experiment, we, we do trials, we do different, you know, studies, right? Yes. And you were an actual live study. You were a real, ex, you know, experiment, you know, in front of people, like, and what it is. I mean, it sounds weird, but, but the fact is you were the reality. That's you, you are it. I mean, you are that rare, you know, disorder. You are what potentially could be other folks. And you said it, keyword rare. I mean, because general medicine and they, they learn a lot. I mean, let's, let's not, we're not going to diminish what, what the learning curve for them is. And even specialists, they do specialize in certain, you know, uh, conditions, but when there is something unique or new or rare and, and a novel, it's, it's a challenge, right? Even for, for them. I mean, it's a matter of, Oh, we've never seen this, you know, this happened before. And, and it's all new. So that means it's going to take time for them to really test it. And they're going to throw in things at you to see like, See this, this, that, this, this particular regimen, this particular program, this particular procedure, all that stuff is going to be test trials until they hit, you know, the right marker and then you're good. And, and I think that's, that's a challenge. You almost were one of the few, you know, th of those conditions that they've experienced. And, and now you've taken it to the next level and now you have all, oh, this is what it is. This is what it, it's almost, I mean, you wrote books too. So, so, so we're going to talk about that, but, but really you have a little bit more of something like you have a dictionary of things that people can use. You know, you have definitions of the pain level and what it is and what descriptives to it. So I think it changed, you know, the dynamics. So there's nothing wrong with, with you actually sharing that publicly or even, a real doctor, a good doctor would always want to learn something new and, and sometimes through, you know, trials and, and patients, that's how they get better. No, no one starts top, you know, they can be at the top in class, they can have stuff, but th their expertise comes in with experience and different cases that they, they manage like everything else, you know, you, even in business, you were a business person as you're the, the first cheerleader you had, you know, when you were just a student cheerleader is one thing, but when you became the coach, I mean, you know, everything that needs to be done about it because you've experienced the jumps, the hits, the mm -hmm. this, the that, and sometimes, you know, what to avoid to, you know, yeah. lose balance. Same thing with doctors, they take time. So again, I mean, I always, I'm, I'm an advocate for medicine and, and, and health and, and all stuff, but again, we're humans and sometimes we're limited to what we know when at the time that we know it, right? 
but only time gives us more. And so, unfortunately, you were the almost <laughs> the trial. <laughs> I, I was the trial many times, many times. And I, I actually have two family members. One passed away from the from the same condition, um, and and then another one that um, uh, when he was diagnosed, he didn't believe it at first. Um, but even this past week, he got a new primary care doctor that said, well, I'm going to try to find the, the root cause of RSD. And, um, not that this hasn't been, um, looked at for, you know, since the civil war, but this doctor, at least he was like proactive enough to say, I'm going to try to find the root cause, but he actually got blood work done and found something that's an anomaly in my brother's. I didn't mean to say my brother, but in my, in my brother's blood, they found an anomaly and I'm like, oh, how do we get a clinical trial done? How do we get all the patients that think they have this disease in to see if their blood has that same anomaly in it to know if that's something we could target with a, a better treatment option down the line. And um, although we do have treatments that can put us into remission and give us better life, maybe whatever this new doctor found is the thing that we've been searching for for a hundred years to to make the difference and it literally was a doctor saying look i don't know about this condition but i'm willing to be your primary care doctor and in doing so it allows me to you know do these tests and and research and figure it out with you and we're on the same team and i just think it's like it, this could be a huge advance with this condition and it was found by accident well, I mean, you're hitting on, on, on the point that the willingness and the, you know, for someone to actually take it, I think that's the other, because sometimes this is, we've seen this in, in a different, you know, industry, or at least a different level of like pretty attorneys, lawyers, right? Sometimes they take cases for the first time that no one would even attempt. And then, you know, they eventually make a new law because of that case, right? Same concept yes. here. It's a new trial. And I mean, we went to the pandemic, it's a new virus. It's like, we're discovering this virus as we go. And now we have vaccines, we have things. Every single situation that is new takes a minute to actually figure out, but then it takes courage for someone to actually you know, do it. When you go to a standard doctor and they're not willing, they're not even researchers and things like that. They just do practice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not gonna go to the, the next level or they're not really interested in that next level. Some doctors wanna make it you know, to the next step, maybe be part of the research, be part of the solution. And that can make a difference, right? And in this case, it someone was willing to do it. But I wanted to just go back to one item. Yes. I know, I know you, first of all, the first doctor only kind of patched work and gave you at least the the, the ability to, to sustain the pain mm -hmm. and, and, and manage it, you know, to a degree. And then you went into different, you know, infusions and things like that to, to help. Uh, now you actually are doing much better. I mean, uh, you know, uh, based on what you stated. And um, so was there anything other than regular medicine that you've tried, like holistic or, or natural and all that? Yes. Stuff? Was that what made the difference? Doing more than one thing made the difference. And um, so I tried medicines first um, in surgeries. Uh, the thing that helped, um, that got me from wheelchair to walking again was infusion therapy. But then uh, I also still have challenges and issues. And um, I found at a medical conference, I found a doctor who's like, I have this new device. It helps with neuroinflammation. It's called an oral orthotic. 
well, he called it something else at the time, but I helped him rename it for better marketing. Um, so we call it an oral orthotic and it's a mouth device. I take it out for interviews, but most of the day and all of the nights I keep my orthotic in and it um, clips onto my teeth and it separates my jaw joint. And so there's no medication involved and it helps me not have to get infusion therapy uh, as often. I have some friends that have to get infusion therapy for RSD a lot more often. I get it three to four times a year and do okay. Some people get it every month. Some people even more than that. So, um, but that oral orthotic, not a medication, but it helps so much in reducing inflammation to the point of I was involved, they tested me three times in three different clinical trials and I'm written up in medical journals about this oral orthotic device um, but University of New Mexico, UCLA, and an independent lab all tested me and it came back that it had 70% reduction in neuroinflammation just by putting this device on my teeth to separate my jaw. Um, so that was very helpful. But I also do mindfulness. I love VR, um, virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have a seizure disorder that developed in 2012 called microlepsy. And um, so I have to be careful of what I watch. So my husband and I started making our own VR content so that I knew that it was seizure safe, but could get me through during times of infusions and, and that type of thing. Um, or if I'm just having a bad pain day, I can put on my VR and go in this other world and go to the aquarium and see all the animals or, or go skydiving or do whatever it is you know, that, that I want to do to um, escape this reality and stop focusing on the pain and focus on other things in life. So that's been very helpful. Um, I also, I don't like having my foot bound um, with a shoe can be very painful to the point of uh, causing vomiting from the pain that it causes and, um, or brings on. So I switched to flip-flops. I got a note from my uh, foot doctor, my podiatrist, it had him give me a note saying, even like I do a lot of television and stuff. So when I'm on set, they usually say closed toed shoes, blah, blah, blah. And I have a special note that says I don't have to wear closed toed shoes. I can wear flip flops or bare feet. Um, if the area is safe, I, I prefer having my, nothing on my feet. Um, so things like that, that uh, switching from um, regular plates and glasses to, uh, to paper plates and plastic cup, um, that I can rinse out, but it's weighs less and um, it causes me less dishes. And uh, one of the shows I did was Extreme Time Cheaters on TLC. And it was all about how I've changed my life because of the health challenges that I face to live more life. I, I do things like use paper plates and, and um, things that I don't have to spend energy pennies on so really I've reorganized and focused my whole life so that I can live more life. Well, first of all, again, talking about Chile and hope, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're really given, you know, a new way for a lot of people to, 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 to survive and adapt, you know, and really live a, a, a fairly normal, you know, concept of life. Uh, you know, I mean, it is still, you still have to always make changes and adapt, but I think you, First of all, the will that you have, you know, is, is just super commendable. I mean, not a lot of people have that, that, that they, they might, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not going to say judged, not a lot of people. I'm, I think people can, 
if if they really want it so it's bad. A choice. They will do. It's a choice, exactly. <laughs> but but you did and and you committed to it and it didn't stop you. You were always looking for the next way to better, you know, things for you and for anyone else who may be with the same conditions. And 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 right now you said almost the the footprint, the actual, you know, recipe, the formula for everybody else. So I think I think now people can follow your suit, follow suit, and and actually really use your concept. I think doctors are even probably going to use your, you know, uh, format, you know, and 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 your example as you know a a way to solve the, the well not solve but at least fix some of this you know uh, conditional problems for other folks. So you're really the 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 actual first case <laughs> well maybe not but but the case that actually really created the the solution the movement yeah a movement yes and 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 uh, perfectly said i mean that is <laughs> that is i mean I, again it is awesome because you know I, the the purpose of today really we want to tell people like you know do not lose hope if something happens if you know someone you know there you gotta you gotta look there's there's you with some people may have seen you on on tv but maybe some people didn't you know this can change their life just by listening to this or watching this, right? You know, like, and I know you do a lot of this all over because you want to bring that message over and over. You do uh, advocacy, pay management, and you go out there and, and talk. There's, there's, I know you've done a lot of talk shows and things like that, and uh, even the books, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so it is important for people to realize that you don't stop. And by the way, I've had a couple of similar cases of people who have had almost like, you know, live ending situations and they just transform to a whole new experience and they're living the life that they want that anyone else would dream of and and that also explains you know to people listen things can happen but it's just how you deal with them you know you can just give up and it's over or you can just say no i gotta i i have as long as i breathe i'm gonna do more and do more and not only for me but also you know i don't want other people to actually experience what i've experienced and i, I think that that, that's a big deal because that's not selfish. That is actually, if I experience something bad, you know, some people may be like, what the hell with the rest of them, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately that's selfish, but, but you didn't do that. You're like, I am an open book. I want to share this with everybody. So no one else, you know, goes through what I've gone through. And, exactly. and that's noble. I mean, that's, that's great. So thank you for, for doing that and for the work that you've been doing. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, uh, I want to just salute you here because <laughs> that is that is some 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 serious business that you've been going through, and uh, you know you've managed it and you're still managing it, and not only that, you help device things. I mean, you know, now you have you know prototypes of things. Well, not even prototypes. I mean, you have things that are being used in 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 real practice that you know that are templated on your model, <laughs> basically, yes. and that's awesome. I mean, uh, so that's achievement. I mean, at, at a different level, but but you are really breaking through. You know, cutting edge stuff two folks right. and, and, and medicine. So, yep. And I think it's my purpose. I always knew from a young age, I want to be a cheerleader, as I said. And when I couldn't physically be a cheerleader anymore, I had to, to stop and, and, and refocus and understand what my purpose is here on earth. And my purpose is to be a cheerleader instead of physical cheerleader, as I always dreamed and put my talents and efforts into, I am supposed to be a mental cheerleader. And so I refocused the, the tools and techniques and everything that I learned through coaching and being a cheerleader and leading a crowd into being a mental cheerleader and how I can help people in that aspect. So my dad would say, how are you, how are you cheering and smiling when your team's losing 50 to zero? When it comes to health, your life is, is the game. 
And some people choose to end the game and say, I can't do it. I give up. For me, it's not about the, there's no end until God calls me home. I am going to live each moment in life to the fullest it can be. Sometimes that means I'm, I'm in bed and I can't get out of bed and I have to let go of the guilt of that. And sometimes it means getting up and, and participating in a 5k or, you know, doing dishes or laundry or whatever it is in that moment to live to the fullest in that moment. And when I do that, I share so that other people can see they can get past their challenges. It might not be the same challenge, but they can find a way through. And hopefully I give them that even the spark of hope can take you through the ch most challenging time. And hopefully if they don't have that their own spark of hope, hopefully I can be that spark for them. It gets them moving and going through life in a in a um, easier situation. Because if you can can get your mental, and believe me, if you're in this much pain, if you have all of these physical challenges that come up, you are going to be depressed. So when the doctor says maybe you should go to some counseling, don't take it as a negative. Take it. I've gone to counseling. Take it as how can I get some tools that I can put in my toolbox and recall as I need them so that I can keep living this life and do the best that I can do to fulfill my purpose. I believe cheerleading is my purpose. I believe everybody has a different purpose here on earth. You have to figure out what your purpose is and live to that. So what tools do you need to find, create? If it's not existing already, create something so that you can live your life to your fullest. I don't think you're just giving purpose to people. I think you're leaving a legacy here. You put in a legacy that's going to stay for eternity because, because I mean, really you are setting up a, a new level of, uh, for people, you know, a, a higher, you know, calling basically. And, uh, and, and some people see it, some people discover it, you know, some people are put in, in a situation where they have no, no other choice, but doing it and figuring out. Uh, and that's, that's, again, it is unique and, and you've been doing it. And I know you've helped a lot of people's lives and changed people's lives, you know, throughout your, it started with you, but now a lot of people are seeing the value. They're seeing the, the, the light at the, the end of the, the tunnel, right? They, they're seeing the hope. They're seeing the real spark. Like, yeah, I can still live. I mean, it's certainly no one that is not experienced or has not experienced your stuff will actually relate hundred percent unless they've been right. in your shoes. And like I said, even if they were, I can I can just be here and be as a, you know, all sympathetic. You know, the, the empathy and all the stuff would would be good, but it's not going to be the same unless I actually have a similar experience. Oh, so true. I, as a cheer coach, my athletes and my coaches did this to me, so I like perpetuated it. If I went back and coach now, it would be totally different. But I would say, suck it up. We need you. You're part of the team. Get back out here and put pressure on the student athletes to get through their injuries sooner or get back out there. And some would end up having to quit because they needed more time. But I didn't have that time for them because the team needed them. Mm -hmm. Tape up your ankle, get the cortisone shot, do whatever. And you have to take action and focus on your health when you have something challenging that comes up so that you can, it's like putting your own oxygen on first. If I went back and coached, it would be totally different. And hopefully what people are hearing from not just my episode with you, but your other episodes as well, take these, these nuggets, these key, key parts that you connect with, 
file them in your brain, plant them as a seed and use them when you yourself have something wrong or in the future, maybe a family member or friend, something is, is wrong. Pluck that tree of knowledge. The seed will grow into the tree that you need. That's when you take that fruit and you make it into what you need for, for a meal to sustain you. And yeah, I want to plant seeds all over the earth so that other people can use that knowledge when they need it. If you don't need it now, you might not need it now. But when you do need it, because one in three people face something that's chronic in their life, you're going to need it or you're going to help somebody else through it. And this is the seeds. This is the start of it. And you get them, not again, not just with my episode, but all of the episodes on iHealth Radio. So well, go back and listen to the other episodes as well. I, I thank you so much for that. And actually, I am your cheerleader. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you listen, I mean, it's, it's optimistic and it's, it's, it's result driven. And it's really like, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, I want to do more. I want to live better. I want to do stuff. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it's a positive message, the energy that, that comes with it. And you're not like, you know, blaming the world and, and, and just, you know, and, and maybe there was a time, I'm sure it was difficult originally, as you said, you were crying, but, but you got off that quickly and you're like, no, uh-uh, we're not doing this because that that's self-pity we're not doing this we're gonna move on and let's see what else there's got to be a way out and you, that's the other thing you didn't give up on yourself and or in that there is a way out and most of the people may sometimes wind up at that point where they're not sure if there is a way out you're just telling us right now really really there's always going to be a way out but you have to find it and you have to do your research it's not going to be easy but unless you do the necessary steps and take and be willing to, it's going to take time, money. And I'm going to talk about that because I want to ask the question, you know, seven years and more, you know, in the healthcare system in the U.S., that's got to be devastating financially. It is. <laughs> do, do, you, uh, can you, do, you, do you have any idea I of how do. much was? Okay. Oh, I'm about to save you guys tens of thousands of dollars. So I've had over a million dollars in medical bills and I have no medical debt. Ooh. Very hard to accomplish. I did not do it right all the time. So let me tell you now so you don't make these mistakes. When you go to a provider or the hospital or, or any medical treatment and you have insurance, I'm going to talk about without insurance and with insurance. So if you have insurance, make sure that when you receive the doctor bill, that you check your doctor bill against your explanation of benefits, EOB for short, because that's hard to say. Um, and see what your patient responsibility is. Your insurance company is there to negotiate for you to get you the care that you need. And they, they have silly practices like step therapy and prior authorization to help delay care. But once you've gotten the care, you get the bill. You have ways to, one, use your insurance to negotiate that to a reasonable price that you owe. Two, Take that amount and start making payments towards it. Typically, like for me, there was times I could only pay 10, five or $10 at a time on a bill, but they saw that I meant, I was serious about keeping my bills low and getting the care that I needed. So I made those payments over time and then they would come to me or I would go to them and say, hey, I've paid you for the last six months or year. 
I've been consistent with what I could pay you. I've always paid you what I could. Is there any way to negotiate this down? Some of them just wiped the whole rest of the bill away. Some of them said, continue to pay me $10 a month for the next whatever year so it's paid off. Some of them um, said, you know, let's work this out. And um, they gave me a way to do that. Now, I also had times where my bill for one surgery was $18,000. That's what I owed. And I did, had no idea the bill was coming. I went to my church and said, hey, you know, I see you helping all these people. This was when Katrina happened, Hurricane Katrina happened. I said, I see you helping all these people that aren't even our religion and don't go to our church, but you're just helping humanity. I actually have gone to this church for a long time, and I could use some help. This is the first time I've ever asked for help. How does this work? They actually ended up negotiating with the hospital and paying off that bill. So I was able to get through it that way. But I also learned in this process that JACO, which is the um, Joint Commission for Hospitals, they um, did a study and eight out of 10 medical bills has a mistake. Eight out of 10 medical bills has a mistake. If you know how to spot them, if your name is spelled incorrectly, if your date of birth is off, your social security number, your uh, plan ID number, anything could be one digit off. They will, they will pay a different amount on that bill. So make sure that you're checking those explanation of benefits to make sure that all the information was inputted correctly. At first, it's kind of burdensome to go through those bills. Now it's just automatic, look, look, compare, this is right, I'm gonna find a way to, to work on this bill. But if there's something wrong on your bill, call your doctor's office and say, please resubmit this bill with the correct data and it will be reprocessed and a new amount due for patient responsibility will come forward and that can save you thousands of dollars because once you pay those bills, you're not getting that money back. <laughs> Even if you've overpaid by accident, which I did on some of my bills, not knowing to check for these errors, I did not get that money back, but it saves me thousands of dollars ever since and helped me get my bills under control and can never not have care. I was always able to continue care because I was staying on top and staying organized with my bills and making sure that I was doing what I could do, negotiating when I could negotiate. Now, if you don't have insurance at all, start with a negotiation. Unless you're in an emergency situation and you, you know, break your arm and you have to go to the ER or you have a major cut and you have to go to the ER, you can negotiate ahead of time. Hey, I, I need to get this treatment, this procedure, this x-ray that is all negotiable. Ask for a cash price, which is typically less than what they charge the insurance companies. And they can negotiate with you. You can negotiate your medical bills. And um, now know they are providing a service. You're not expecting to get it free. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a fee to what you're getting done. But hey, can I pay you over time? Can I work this out? Uh, you know, the, the thing with, with step, therapy and prior, step therapy and prior authorizations, if you're a cash pay patient, you don't even have to worry about those types of challenges. So, um, and also know if you are trying to go through a prior authorization process with your insurance company to get something approved before you get it, um, make sure that you fill out all the paperwork completely. A lot of times I will fill out the paperwork because I 
order all of my medical records. Now we have patient portals, but back then I had to get paper prints. Um, having my copies of my medical records, I was able to fill out the paperwork, give it to my doctor to look through, make sure it was all correct. He or she signs off on it and sends it in, but I know it's thorough and, and well done. And I don't put that burden on my medical provider or their staff and it gets done quicker, sooner. And I know it's right. Bobby, you covered a lot of good stuff here. <laughs> Thank, I mean, I'm listening to you. I mean, it's I got funny. a million dollars in bills. I, I was like, well, I got to do something. I figured it out. That's the formula right there. And, and uh, that's a lot of money. And, and that's how much the healthcare can cost. I mean, you know, it's very, very expensive. And, and you're right. I mean, I happen to be in the insurance world, so I understand a little bit about, you know, a lot of it. And uh, one one of the, the elements, a couple of elements you mentioned, you know, in terms of uh, when you look at your bill and things like that. Uh, and by the way, even for the insurance company, sometimes it's a nightmare because it's all about coding when they send the claims in. If it comes in with the wrong code, it's billed differently. And then the patients wind up with a different copay and it makes a very nightmarish you know, experience for all. So so you're right. I mean, it's important for everybody to be aware of those things and hopefully to be able to 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 be in the middle of it. I mean, sometimes we just want insurance does the job, the doctor does the job, and we think it's all going to happen. But sometimes it's all our responsibility. And I think it's important for, for everybody because that, that's what also increases the cost over, you know, the healthcare. The right. other part, you just said it. I mean, uh, there are ways to 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 mitigate the cost and and, and and the cost shares, you know, and things like that with your providers. And there's always payment plans that can be made. As long as you're willing to pay, they're willing to actually work with you. I mean, it, this is, there is a humanitarian you know, piece, you know, of, of healthcare. And, you know, it's not all about the money, although money is important. But but I think there's also uh, hospital systems and things like that. They all have some charity, you know, form or some redu reduced rates for, for procedures uh, or sliding scales. So depending on your income, whatever, they can charge you the lower, you know, copay, whatever. So, so again, if you don't know about that, that's usually a challenge. And now, we, now we're sharing this. Hopefully people can benefit from it. But there's also, like, I mean, some people, some, like, again, you mentioned earlier, you know, food stamps, right? I mean, yeah. at, at that rate, you're on Medicaid. So now everything is covered. So it's a whole different, it's a sometimes easier world, but, but some, some people don't, are not going to live, you know, that life where they just, they want to go back to having their homes and things like that and becomes challenging. But either way, know that you can, and you will get your care and, uh, you know, you shouldn't worry that, you know, you're going to like <laughs> wind up with nothing, you know, there are ways. And, and uh, I, I have yet to find someone who actually didn't get their care, you know, at least, you know, uh, that I know of. Well, some but, people but, stop, they get a no or a denial and they don't appeal it. Like, oh, that's, that's right. Appeal maybe 20% of patients will appeal a denial. 80% of them just go, oh, I guess I don't deserve the care or don't need it. Or, you know, we'll never be able to afford it. There is a way you just have to keep going. And even like my therapy, the infusion therapy that, um, that I got uh, at Drexel University the first time I got it, the insurance said, we're not going to cover this. I went in in a wheelchair. I had to raise, I did fundraisers and, um, and my bed actually opened up before I had raised $18,000 to get, that was a different $18,000 to get that treatment. They said that was my out-of-pocket. I had to pay it prior to going to the hospital. And um, I, I raised about 12,000. I was 6,000 short. They said, your bed's ready. You got to pay like in two days or you lose your bed. And so I took out a medical loan for the other portion of that. I did the treatment. Then the bill came and it 
by the time I got from the hospital in Pennsylvania home, my bill arrived and it was 114,000. I was like, my house isn't even worth 114,000. What am I gonna do? And I wrote to my insurance company. I wrote a letter and sent in my bills and they ordered my medical records from the hospital. And they said, looking at your case, it's cheaper for us to negotiate this bill and pay this and, and have you go through this therapy than pay for you to not be in remission. So they ended up paying me back all but $100 of the money that I had raised um, to, to get the, the treatment that I needed. So literally I got paid back in retro bill or retro checks, but um, I had no idea. I just had to find a way to get the treatment that could possibly get me walking again. Well, and, and, go ahead, sorry. No, and, and that's the thing, had I stopped, I never, I would either still now be paying on that loan or not have gotten the treatment in the first place. Well, well true. Well, well, I want to, I just, uh, I think as you were talking about the, the concept of how to deal with the bill and stuff, mm -hmm. there's another thing that people may not know about. And, and that is that hospitals and all these, these, these care facilities, they do have social workers also available to, to help, you know, navigate and, you know, the system and give you guidance of how to best deal with it. So there is more resources that, that are available that people don't know about. That's one. Also, like you said, you know, uh, insurances have their own, you know, ways of, of dealing with these costs because there's catastrophic insurance. There is like, you know, uh, uh, stop loss insurance, all these things that are covering insurance companies as well. So there's, there's ways around that. And to your point, depending what the long-term cost versus what that cost is, sometimes insurance have different priorities, right? Uh, and, and again, I mean, insurance, obviously they're still a business and they still have, if, if all their patients have, crazy catastrophic stuff well there will be no insurance company right right it, i would our, we would bankrupt exactly well unfortunately so i mean we have right now you know a show that is that is probably worldwide and people are going to watch it all over and or listen to it in podcasts but here's the thing what people we're talking about us right now and believe me while we think that we have the worst one you know there are places where it's even much much the situation is worse Yes. Yeah, because if you go to some other places in the world, they don't even see you unless you have a check, and sometimes you have to write a blank check just just otherwise you go to jail because you know that you don't even know. I mean, I, uh, in the pandemic in in some of the countries, that's exactly what it is. You know, in order for you to get into a hospital or clinic, you have to give them an empty check, and uh, they'll write whatever it is. Uh, a friend actually uh, of my wife recently was overseas, and. Um, uh, and, and the, her mother caught, you know, the, uh, the, the corona and what happened, uh, eventually she passed on and, uh, the hospital charged them over $40,000, you know, but they only, they only give them an invoice for like half of that. And they couldn't even challenge it because they have no way of proving otherwise, but it was overseas and there's nothing they can do. So just, just, I mean, the magnitude of the care and, and, and the cost varies where you are. And that's the other thing. If you're traveling, get insurance, get, you know, travel insurance, get yes. other things, be protected because you never know where you wind up and uh, it could be bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so from this platform, I mean, again, you know, cost is always, I mean, care, there is a cost to, right, to it. And and you have to know how to work the dynamics on it. And there's programs out there. There's many ways. If you have Medicare, if you're, you know, if you don't have Medicaid, have Medicaid, your income low, you know, and even if you're over the income brackets for Medicaid, for example, there are some other categories that you can, you know, there's surplus exactly. Medicaid. There, there's few things you can do. I mean, you can get a pool trust. I mean, there's so many things that can happen to, to help you with costs. And again, uh, people will 
at least in the US, you'll you'll be able to to maneuver around. Some places in the world, you're not going to be able to do it. So thank you for sharing that in terms of the the cost and the experience. I mean, because that's a lot. And anyone that may think about you know pursuing and 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 really trying to fix their problem, the health needs, right? You know, the first concern they're going to have, can I do this? And some people may even not seek care because they just are worrying about how much I'm going to pay for it. Yep. Do get the care and then worry about that later. You know, yes. <laughs> that, put your nothing oxygen more... on and exactly. then worry about everything that's else. Right. That's right. Because I mean, <laughs> if you start thinking about, you know, oh my God, I'm going to go to the hospital. Surgery is going to cost me this or the other. Well, guess what? You're dying. It's over. <laughs> you know, you know, who's, who's actually, they didn't, didn't know that you come into the hospital. You just heard yourself. Go in the hospital. Make sure you get your, 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 your source. That's why even the insurance will tell you if you have, if you feel a heart attack, whatever, call 911, go to the hospital. Emergencies, we don't even talk to you. You can be anywhere and it's going to be covered because it is important. Life-threatening situations happen, you go. Now, if it's something that, you know, it's optional, I'm not sure if I want to do this or the other, and they have options. And by the way, you can also uh, go find maybe in other states, you can pay cost less, you know, because the system is cheaper on the other in the other side. I'm not talking about, you know, using like the Medicaid benefits and things like that, the government benefits, because that's regulated. But if you're going to pay, well, you can shop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are places where the cost, may be, I mean, you come to New York, I mean, uh, the cost is going to be much higher than if you go to a different, you know, area somewhere in a, in, in a different state, just because the cost of living in New York is going to be very expensive. So the hospital cost is higher. So again, in, people have options, but the key here is to find the options, to know about the options, or at least investigate what's available to them. So I, again, thank you for sharing that part of, of your experience, because that's just as important because, it, that's also affecting your mental state, your 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 stability, all the other stuff. Financial is just as important because when you're sick, I mean, obviously now you're not able to do the same work you did before. You're not making the same money. Your income is limited or even not even available. So it's very difficult, you know, to to do these things. You might get disability, but that's limited too. I mean, how much can they give you on disability? I mean, it all depends on. So it's it's all the above, and 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 it's not a one way. You just have to figure out what works for you and but there are solutions there are resources there so so now i want to just i mean we're we're about the hour but i want to just ask about a couple of things we haven't touched on your books and your you know what you know what put you in, into it and what kind of books were they and also your shows because i know you do the reality stuff and yeah. you know people may know about them people may not know we'd like to share about that and, and your experience in general doing that sure so my books, I have nine books, and they're on health, chronic pain, and motivation. And um, I have everything from children's books to adult relation books to my story and um, navigating the health system. The pain code is, is about navigating the health system. And um, when I have a topic that's really passionate to me and a lot of people are asking me questions about, I tend to write a book about it. Um, so I can answer all the questions and, and get it all out there. And um, so I have nine published and I'm working on three more. So um, there is more to come. And you can find all of that uh, on barbieingle.com, Barbie with a Y. And, um, and then if you are someone who is facing a rare disease or a chronic pain condition, you can go to internationalpain.org and they uh, help with education, awareness, social events, and access to care challenges that people face that are living with those conditions. So, uh, and with, with they work with over 150 different conditions. 
And um, so that's where you can go for that type of information as well. Reality television, um, I, I love being a part of that. Now, reality is a seat of truth with um, a, a story writer, <laughs> producer that sits there and is like, try to say it this way, do it that way, let's act this out. Um, and they make things extreme, which is fun for me. But um, it's so just remember that there's reality, all reality shows, even the Kardashians are a seat of truth with a, a story writer behind it. Um, but it's fun and, and it's performing for me. So, and then um, I also have got to do a lot of talk shows and I love doing those. And then I, um, I do have an awesome husband now, although I talked about my, my first marriage and divorce, um, I, God had a better man for me. And, and um, we did a show called the Ken and Barbie show and we've uh, done nine seasons and um, those have appeared on different networks as well as other shows. Like uh, we had a show called, um, I did a show on um, the weather channel called brainstormers. And really I like to, to talk about my life and, and how to improve other people's lives through uh, action and, and tools and resources. And so that's kind of types of shows, whether it's a reality show or a talk show, that's the type of segments and things I like to do. Well, Barbie, you are uh, uh, you are hope. <laughs> the, we we, we got to call you Barbie Hope, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you really give people, you know, and uh, the, the the real feeling that yes, you know, I mean, you're doing all this stuff that even people that are not going that haven't gone through your stuff are not doing, and so most of the people would have given up, you know, just by, you know, for the pain, right? Yeah. You know, you know, and you're doing all this and you're managing it well. And not only that, you're giving back. And that's, that's the other part you're sharing and, uh, and it's fulfilling your life. And, you know, so all I have to say is keep, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it is, you know, it's just impressive and it's just the true, uh, that's success by itself. Uh, you know, as, as far as I can see it, uh, and, and a true story for other people to actually, you know, emulate. So it's, Hey, listen, I, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of the show here. I mean, I had tremendous, you know, uh, fun here and, and it's a wealth of knowledge that we got from you here. And I hope that the three point earlier, they pick up a couple of items of, of what was discussed here today that can make, you know, somebody's life different and, and, and maybe give them that the spark to get, you know, ahead of things and, uh, or help someone in, in their, their, their environment. So that's, uh, that's, that's great. So, so, Barbie, I mean, thank you so much for being with us. And, you know, I'm, I'm humble. I mean, you're doing all these things, all the major networks, you know, my TV here, you know, my channel. Oh. I know. So, so that, that's actually, you know, uh, it's, it, I'm, I'm so pleased and, and, you know, just honored to have you. So thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and really thank you for, for just sharing with us your life and, and giving, you know, the real stuff. It's real. It's new. Talk about reality, but there's no, there's no screenwriter here. It was you. Right? No, <laughs> this is, this is real. <laughs> That's, as real That's as why I like podcasts. I love being on podcasts because you get to be your real authentic self and share your actual journey and what's helping you live every day. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I would, I, I don't know your husband, but, you know, Ken, I guess I'm going to call him Ken. Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Ken and Barbie, that's right. So, you know, you know, I, I'm sure behind you, he's, he's supportive and, and, and giving you all the stuff. Because, I mean, yes. I'm sure it would be difficult if he was not, you know, in your corner. So, again, uh, you know, uh, kudos to him. And, and you know, uh, thank you for whatever he's doing on the back, you know, seeing, helping you and, and keeping you motivated. Because that's important. You know, that, that support system is important. Uh, that being said, thank you, Barbie. Folks, thank you for uh, the time watching us, listening on, on iHealth Radio. Uh, Hurricane H here, 
had a blast and we'll talk soon at the next uh, show topic and guest bye for now